thanks for tuning in to the Writers of Color Reading Series, a podcast presented by the Englert Theater and hosted by me, Chuy Rentería. You thought of him often, stalked him on Facebook, squinted at every update, ancient and modern, and told yourself that you found him interesting, simple. Sometimes you would lie in bed trying to visualize Rachel from last time. Her lips, what did it taste like the last time? Lemon mint? Tom Tom? What would his lips taste like? Like Tom Tom too, or like nothing? You told him Rachel was the best thing that ever happened to you. Told him she saved you. From what, he asked. You won't understand, you said. You were seated on the step at the stadium, watching the sun, once white, fade into a calm yellow, and all you could think about were his hands, how they tapped rhythms on his knees as he tried to get the words out of his mouth. You wanted to take them in yours and rub them until they were warm, and then blow on them in circles until he giggled. Don't conclude so quickly, he said, but I understand if you don't want to tell me. You put your hands in your pockets, stood up. It's getting late, you said. We should start going. You had noticed certain things about him, little, little things. How his stutter became obvious only when it was cold or when he was emotional. And how when he told you about his relationships, he looked you bold in the eyes, teasing. Does my story make you honey? Though he tried to sound flippant and cool, the shyness still billowed in his voice. And how he likes to sing whenever he was in the bathroom. You often heard him screaming, And it made you laugh, because he sounded so much like Justin Bieber screaming, Baby, 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 oh. Nobody sang Davido with that kind of voice. One morning, he came into your room and flopped on the bed face down. You were seated at the table, trying to make sense of your history of Nigeria lecture notes. You watched him for a while, and then you asked, what is it? At first, he did not tell you about the boys who had threatened him. They said they would have beaten the gay out of me, he said, but that I was so cute, they would have a little fun forcing it out of me. Doesn't that sound gay to you? He laughed, like that sounded funny. He was seated on the bed, his chin on his knees drawn to his chest. He was trying to sound unfazed. It had been going on since around the time you travelled for the burial, he said. This is not funny, you said. I think we should report it to school security. He laughed. And tell them what, please. But how did they find out about you, Seth? You don't even look gay for Christ's sake. How does one look gay, Lutana? They even said, what's the size of your macho boyfriend's thing? I think they're just freaks. You grabbed your phone and began dialing a friend's number. What are you doing? Kamsi asked. Calling some of my teammates. They'll deal with this. And what will you tell them? Please forget it. You caught the call, flopped on the bed and covered your face with your hands. You told him you wouldn't be returning to Kano for the holidays. That, since there was a strike going on, Lagos or Enugu would make sense. You had relatives there. He looked at you and said, it's about your dad, right? At mom's funeral, dad had tried to tell you how it felt like sinking and sinking, and you told him coldly that you never knew he was a poet. The day you broke up with Rachel, telling her you needed to concentrate on school, 
he had called you into his room and told you a long story about how all that time your mother had been his number one. How even though he couldn't help it, seeing some other women, she had been the one he truly loved. He had said, I'm telling you this because you're becoming a man. And that evening, you went to Rachel's house and told her you had to end it. Kamsi said, I think you should let go. He's your father after all. Whatever you said. And continued folding your clothes into a travel bag. Kamsi held your hands, gently pressed them to his cheeks. Then he began to blow on them in circles, his eyes fixed on yours. The room was suddenly still, the air calm and waiting. You felt like a child stealing milk. Wait here, he said, his eyes lighting up. He rushed into the bathroom, returned to the room with a new razor blade. Let's have a blood covenant, he said. Don't be silly, you said, laughing. Yes, I'm silly, he said. Let's be silly together. You just heard an excerpt from a reading by Erinze Ifakandu, uh, who was born in Kano, Nigeria, and studied English at the University of Nigeria in Nsuka. He is a recent MFA graduate from the Iowa Writers Workshop, where he was a winner of the 2018 Richard Yates Short Story Contest. Erinze was also shortlisted for the Kane Prize in 2017 and was the winner of a 2015 a Public Space Emerging Writer Fellowship for his story, God's Children Are Little Broken Things, which he read excerpts from today. He is currently on a teaching fellowship at the Iowa Writers Workshop, and his stories have recently appeared in A Public Space and One Story. And say it is a pleasure to, to have you here and, and to hear you read. I was just uh, saying earlier that I don't know if it's just me in this morning, if it's the fact <laughs> that I, I have my, you know, I, I'm like two days away from my uh, window, the two week window after my second vaccination. And it's a mm -hmm. nice day out. But that your reading just just hit me. I I, I started to like tear up a little bit. I, I It's it was beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you, that. Yeah, uh, how are you today? I'm doing okay. Um, I'm also, I'm getting my second vaccine today in a few hours, so that's <laughs> that's something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. Just to jump into things, I was reading another interview that that you had, and you talked about this idea of of tenderness, and uh, just just to read a little quote here, you said that when I read other people's works, I also look out for these small acts of tenderness. And looking at your own work and other people's could you speak a little bit about that um yeah so for me when when i when i when i said that i was i think that was a few years back and with 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 my collection which you know i just i just the story i read from um is the title story i wrote the book from a place of longing um and so for me um it's you know growing up in in growing up in this environment where men were not allowed to be affectionate with each other you know men were not allowed to basically be gay right um for me writing stories in which in which men could exist in the ways that i was not allowed to exist in real life um i, I think for me the real answer actually is that i the kind of fiction i was introduced to um as you know 
the earliest my earliest memory of reading um had to do with stories and books that were um in which the characters were tender um and i don't mean like tenderness in the sense that all of the characters were um that the characters were soft or something but just like the ways in which they they navigated the world the ways in which they related to each other so i'm thinking of Pop Hibiscus by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. I'm thinking of um, The Joys of Motherhood by Buchi Mecheta. And, you know, these are complicated stories, you know, with characters who were, who, who, who were navigating a very complex world. Um, Buchi Mecheta was navigating, like, just the Nigeria of the, of, you know, colonial times. Um, you know, this a village woman who goes to Lagos and tries to find her, you know, find her way. But, like, just the relationships with the characters, I'm, I'm interested in that. Like, and just not in this sort of um, romantic sense, but just, you know, the, 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 the kind of relationships that exist between friends, between family members, um, you know, characters who are in tune with their emotions. Like, I'm not, I'm not attracted to fiction that's, that, that's, that is intentionally cold or distant. Um, and I'm also not interested in writing that kind of fiction. So for me, when I talk of tenderness, um, I'm thinking of it in that sense, like, stories that center relationships whatever forms of relationships and like treats them seriously because i think as human beings we are made up like we are products of all the relationships that we've ever had you know um yeah so that's why that's what i think about it yeah and and i was i was really drawn to that quote and 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 i think that i was drawn to it because i can relate to that so much and and your answer there reminds me of another thing so in our kind of like pre-interview form that that we do, you you know, talking about what we would like to 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 talk about in this interview, you said like love growing up in family, but you make the distinction like queer love. I, you know, I think the the two things are, are very closely connected. This idea of you know telling your stories or telling these stories of these two boys growing up, and and if you could talk a little bit about what what that significance is for you to add that qualifier of like queer love. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Because I actually, I wish like I lived in a world in which I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have to like clarify, right? That, you know, that people don't just like assume when I say love, like that I mean heterosexual love, right? Um, love is love, right? But we live in this world where it's, you know, you, you meet a man and the first thing you think of is that he's straight. Um, and so for me, that distinction is important because for, for, for as a queer person, um, as a gay man, being seen in the world is very important. It's like a very, it's, a, it's an integral um, aspect of my survival or just not just my survival, my thriving, right? And so it's important, like for me, I, I still, I, I, I think love is love, but it's so, it, it's important that I sort of like make that distinction. I think it's an important that you framed it that way because like you said, in this, our times right now, like you shouldn't have to make that distinction, right? And I, I think I read some other interviews where you talked about the idea of, how people like to categorize and you know like have like the uh the genres right like yeah, 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 yeah. you know like this is lgbt love story versus like yeah what is yeah there's like something very limiting about that right because it's like you, you you move into a place and they're like oh this is lgbtq love this is black love this is and and then what it does is that people say oh this love is not for me you know but then every other person like you know every other person who the world has placed at the center um you know every other heterosexual person like we all consume heterosexual love and so for me it's like it's very important that that we aspire towards a world where we don't need those adjectives anymore but for to get there we have to 
actually populates the world with a lot of stories that have those adjectives. That's why I see it. Because right now we don't have those stories. Like we don't we don't have them in abundance. And and so this is like it feels to me that this sort of distinction is a necessary step towards that world that you know we dream of in which where we actually like live our lives as though love is love, you know, regardless. Yeah. Yeah. I work at Hancher uh, as my nine five, and I was seeing that oh, you, you performed, that. You <laughs> yeah, performed yeah. on the stage for for like the choir that you're with. I really miss it. It's like yeah. the pandemic just kind of ruined a lot of things. But I, yeah, I miss it. You're like I'm a choir, <laughs> and you yeah. sang at uh, Camerata, the University of Iowa School of Music, like choir. Uh, yeah. How long is it? It's been a while. I mean, like because pandemic, we haven't been able to do anything. How long have you been singing? Um, I've been singing since like I was a kid, but I actually began to sing in choir, I think around the age of 10. I grew up in this sort of like deeply Anglican family. And for like a year, I went to an Anglican minor seminary. And that was my first introduction to choir. And then when I moved back to my hometown, I, I joined my uncle who like was a church pianist. <laughs> yeah, I've just since I was 10, basically, I've been, I've been singing. And when I moved to Iowa, like the first thing I did was to find the choir and then go for auditions. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, and I was like, uh, like just to, just to be like full disclosure, I was like creeping on your Instagram, and I saw you have like songs that I love, and I was just listening to some of your singing. I was like, yep, yep, I can see how you could get got it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very beautiful, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, reading, you know, your your bio on your on your website, there's a, I, you know, and I think it's a little, it's a little like humorous but maybe not too you're so like i wish i would be like at the school of music right like i wish i would be uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how does singing like your relationship to singing how does that differ than your relationship with writing in terms of what it gives you or what you can put out to it because i'm i'm a dancer as, as well right i've been dancing you know for 20 years so for me the relationship i have with dance is so different than it is for writing, even though they're both forms of expression, I think like it, there, there's just something different. So if you could speak to that and your relationship to singing and writing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I find like with music, it feels more immediate. I'm getting all the emotions right in the moment. That's one thing. The second thing is that I'm doing it with other people. And that's <laughs> one of the things I miss the most about choir is breathing, like breathing together with other people. There's something very unifying about that, you know, and like every individual, like in their own space, Try doing their best to get their parts, to get their notes, while also like listening to the people be- beside them, listening to the people. On the- like there is this, there's something like you know. I feel for me, it's it's for quite qu- um, singing in choir shows me like it's it's for me like the perfect example of what a society should be like the harmony. Everybody individually, you know, trying to do their best, but also like listening to the other person and not trying to outshine, like not to at least a good choir, not trying to outshine. Like, it's like we are working together towards, like, a single goal, and that goal is beauty. For me, it's different. For Like, with writing, it's like I'm, I'm alone at my desk. It's The gratification is not instant, at least not, <laughs> at least not usually. It's, it's, it's just me at my desk, and I don't hear any sounds. Um, I have to just, like, create something out of nothing, and in that way, it feels so different from, it, it has its own pleasure, which for me is very, very mental and also also deeply emotional um, on on some days. But it's a, it's a very, like, lonesome exercise. Yeah, no, I was yeah. going to say the exact same thing. It's, a, it's like an exercise in, like, solitude almost. Or I, 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 I feel like, and maybe I have to really think about it some more, but 
after I've danced with people and I mean, we could be dancing for hours with a group of people, but there's times where I feel energized from that. And like writing, I think it's, it's always, and, and, and like, I'm, I'm like tiptoeing here because I, I also don't like it when people are just like, Oh, I'm the like tortured writer. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it, it takes so much emotionally and mentally that, that a lot of times, like I just need to like decompress after people, I have, yeah. like, like a really focused writing session. Whereas like dance, I think there's a lot more energy to that. And your description of, of working in a choir reminds me so much of, of working. Like, you know, if you're, if you, uh, if a dance was choreographed on you, you're with like 30 people. It's a big ensemble piece. It's mm -hmm. the exact same thing. It's like you're moving together, you're breathing together, which I think is amazing that like, you know, you think of the same thing in a choir mm -hmm. and, and dance is this, um, it's a proprioception, right? The idea of being aware of your surroundings as you're moving without having to look, right? So if you're in sync with somebody, you can walk together parallel and not have to actually like think about it too much and it makes me think of how much like how you miss choir like right now so I, I guess taught uh, for the university a couple weeks back and uh, usually I do lots of contact improv where we're touching and partnering and I thought about it and like it was almost it was almost like a heartbreaking moment where I realized oh shit I can't I can't have these students touch each other. Like they're not allowed to touch each other. They're not allowed. And so the, the best thing I could do was like have them try to be in sync in their little pods, mm -hmm. socially distanced six oh. feet apart. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I can't wait. I can't wait till we're vaccinated and, and back to, you know, mm -hmm. just there's something about that. And and yeah, I, it's so, because I, I'll admit, I, I haven't really thought about how that can be similar experience in choir and how yeah just breathing together and just you know standing in close proximity and it exactly, made me yeah, yeah. And, and I remember being just so I mean for lack of a better term like heartbroken when I heard especially in the beginning when choirs were so it, it became so apparent that choirs could be dangerous with ventilation and singing yeah. and breathing and I was like oh that because like that's such a important part of who we are as as a community right so yeah absolutely yeah you graduated correct and yes yeah um, so now you're you're guest teaching yes and i'm co actually coming to the end of my fellowship and then i'll be moving to florida in in the fall well hopefully like in florida you can you know hopefully find some choirs and hopefully we can actually <laughs> you can gather <laughs> yeah. that that's going to be the first thing i look out for yeah. I'm, like, in the house i'm like okay where are the choirs out here <laughs> <laughs> so let me get the audition in <laughs> But yeah, we're, we're, I think we're over our time. It's been a, a pleasure to talk with you. Absolutely, absolutely. And if there's anything that you want to um, shout out or plug or what the audience should be looking for, whether that's something of yours personally, or if there's anything else out there that you think people should be looking out for, go ahead and, and give it to them. There's nothing immediately, um, but yeah, my, my book comes out around May next year, hopefully with the public space books so you know just look out for that you know remember my name <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure they will we, we'll we'll have all the the links and stuff when it when it gets uh all right um this was so nice thank you for having me